Hey guys, welcome back to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. Today on a special episode for the 12 days of Christmas, I have Leslie who is from All About Well. She has come back to hang out with us and talk about the topic of joyful movement. Um, I'm just going to, of course, place a trigger warning. Um, if you, for whatever reason, feel like listening to things like weight loss and exercise that may be triggering if you're in recovery, um, then maybe you should pause this episode and come back at another time. But if you feel that you were able to listen to this episode and absorb um, some of the positive aspects of what what we're going to talk about in terms of movement, then please stick along with us. So Leslie, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm very excited to be here and specifically to be talking about this topic today. I think it's such an important topic. Um, and it's so interesting to me how like everyone who's like against intuitive eating or the anti anti diet people are always like forgetting that this is such a huge part of like intuitive eating, like the whole, you know, process of reframing the diet culture mentality and movement plays such a huge role in that. So Mm -hmm. if you wanted to just share a little bit about like what the joyful movement is, and then what your experience may have been with maybe a disordered relationship with working out and then how you kind of reframed it and and your kind of journey in regards to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think when I think of joyful movement, I always think, or talk to my clients about what is your intention behind movement? So really having that check-in with yourself before, during, and after movement? Like, is this something I enjoy doing? Why am I doing this? What does this mean to me? How do I feel during and after this activity? Really having those check-ins with yourself, um, just to say like, what is my reasoning for this? How do I feel? Because that's what movement is all about. And I think a really great way to kind of get to that place and explore what that can be, because I think a lot of times we think of movement, we think of going to the gym and doing specific Mm -hmm. activities. So how can we dive into these quote, untraditional activities that are forms of movement that maybe society has just told us is not, you know, up to standard, but then it's the question of whose standard, like, what are we talking about? So I think a really cool way to rediscover what joyful movement is to you is to do a movement timeline. So start from like when you were a kid playing on the playground with your friends, playing kickball, playing on the monkey bars. How did you feel during those experiences? Did you feel like it was something you had to be doing? Was it just fun for you? And then continuing to kind of progress through that and say, when did movement start to feel more like a chore or when did it start to feel not quite as fun? Something we had to do um, kind of had like these pressures around it. And I know for me specifically looking at that movement timeline, I'm able to look back at my childhood and I see a lot of monkey bars. I loved to play soccer with friends and Once I got into high school and then even more specifically college, it became this thing of going to the gym at least X number of days a week. I'll try not to use numbers here and running on the treadmill for X number of Mm -hmm. minutes or mileage or whatever it was. Um, And if I didn't, I really felt this huge sense of guilt. Like, why am I not there? I'm not doing enough. Um, And 
as I continued to work through that, I even, you know, I even had a foot injury at one point and then a back injury at one point. And looking back, of course, I didn't recognize this at the time because I was in it, but looking back, I wanted to continue those workouts that caused that injury. And I couldn't wait to get back to them. Um, and not from a place of, I couldn't wait because I enjoyed this activity. It was from a place of, oh, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing to look a certain way. Um, and I say this from a thin privileged body and I recognize that and continue to try to work, um, to be really inclusive with my languaging and things. Um, but that is just my experience of kind of how I started working towards what is my mindful, joyful movement and how did it become so disordered for me? Yeah, no, that's such a good, um, story. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I think that, you know, everyone's journey may be a little bit different. So you talked about how you currently you have thin privilege. And so that means that like, you may have always had like a quote unquote societal idealistic body type. Whereas like, you were kind of active as a child and you played sports and that just seems like it was like part of like how it always was for you. And in society, um, we tend to see a lot more of this promotion of exercise, um, in terms of like losing weight. So not even just because of an aesthetic standpoint, but because that's, what's like socially acceptable, you know, like, oh, you're in a bigger body. You, are fat. So you should work out and you should get lean and you should get thin and you should tone and lengthen your limbs and all these like, you know, trigger words that like a lot of people use, which like, no, you can't lengthen and tone your muscles. It's just not how it works. Um, and so like from my experience with movement, it was more of like that, a little bit of the opposite where like, I was never really active. No one in my family, like ever really worked out. Like they did work out, but it was in the sense of like weight loss, but it wasn't like, oh yeah, let's go for a walk as a family or let's like go do this or go do that. Like we never did things like that. And then as I um, got older and I was always in a larger body, like I was literally like forced to go to the gym. Like I was like 13 or 14. You had to sign a waiver to like sign up. Like your parents had to sign a waiver to let you join the gym. And like my mom would literally force me to go to the gym and I hated it. And I just remember walking on the treadmill and it was just such a like negative mindset and negative experience that like it pushed me in the other direction. And I like only viewed exercise as for the point of it, of like losing weight. And I inherited that from like my family and from my mom, my mom constantly had a disordered relationship with food and movement. And she would like force herself every day to wake up so early before work to do a certain workout. And like, it was like clockwork for her. So I never growing up or for most of my life knew what like joyful movement was. Like I always saw exercises, like something that was like meant to punish you or like, okay, I have to do this because I'm bigger and I have to lose weight. And it wasn't until, um, I was in my mid twenties that like, I started to learn how to lift weights and I just started to do it just to see how I liked it. And, you know, it slowly progressed from like once a week and, you know, other times and things like that to, to do like, you know, certain isolating movements for certain muscle groups and things like that. And that became something that I loved where like, I legitimately enjoyed it. But I will say that 
even though I had healed my relationship with food, this relationship with movement was something that was new for me. And it got to a point at one time where like, I would feel guilty if I skipped a day. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting sick. This was like, maybe like five years ago, I was sick and I like, couldn't, I couldn't like, I couldn't work out. And it was like a cold or something or a flu. And like, I couldn't work out for a few weeks. And I remember feeling so scared. I'm like, am I going to lose all of my progress? I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of like gaining weight or anything like that. I was just worried that like, I was going to lose progress and I was going to lose muscle. And I had to like, kind of catch myself and say like, you know what? It's okay. The world doesn't end. And I will say right now, Um, I was like sick a few weeks ago um, and I was on antibiotics and it really like threw me for a loop. And like, I haven't worked out in like a month, haven't gone to the gym in a month. And it's because like, I I really had to listen to my body where I was like, okay, like I really want to go because it makes me feel good. And I enjoy going and I enjoy lifting, but like, I physically don't feel like I'm able to do it. And so to like, kind of like reconnect with myself and still like, look at what my reasoning is behind it and say, you know what, it's okay. Like if you don't get there and like, whenever it's convenient for you and you're feeling up to it, like you can go back to it and it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's so important because like we as humans have different life phases. Like we always have different things going on in our lives, you know, like right now, for example, I am living temporarily in Kentucky. I am not in my own home. I am very out of routine and my workouts typically look like most days it's taking the dog for a walk Mm -hmm. and it's not a soup, like it's not a very long walk. And I do have an at-home bike and that's something that I have come to love and enjoy. And it's like a fun, like just a fun way for me to kind of release stress and get some energy. But that does not happen every day by any means. So I think it's just so important, just like you said, to keep in mind, whether it's because we're sick or, you know, parents or we're in school or whatever it may be, we go through different waves of like, sometimes we have time, sometimes we don't. And I think the important piece of that is like, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing thing. You know, I think, if I'm not going for a certain amount of time or doing a certain thing, there's no point in doing anything at all. And I've come to realize even being at home, you know, working from home on zoom meetings and in front of the computer Mm -hmm. all day, there is nothing more powerful to me than going outside for even five, 10 minutes, getting Mm -hmm. some fresh air that just gives me so much energy. And in the past, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have appreciated it because it would have been like, well, there's no intensity there. It's not doing whatever it was I wanted it to do. And now that I've kind of really reevaluated what does movement mean to me and what do I want from it? It's transitioned into all these other places into my life as well. So I think that's so awesome that you're able to point out like, okay, maybe I haven't gone in a month. That doesn't mean anything. It means I'm just honoring where I'm at right now. Exactly. And yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, our the diet culture portion of our brain which is like kind of still always there um maybe not as strong as it used to be but you know there were days where I was like I felt like oh I didn't go I didn't go but then I'm like okay but I know like it's better for my health to like recuperate and not go and like right now it just didn't seem feasible for me and it's okay to like be flexible and I think 
it, you know, I, it just so happens that lifting is what I enjoy, but like you said, like walking your dog or just taking a walk outside, or if you have kids and like taking them for a walk and pushing them in the stroller, like that is a form of movement. And just because you're not doing some like high intensity, crazy thing, doesn't mean that it isn't beneficial for your health. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we can redefine what that movement is. So like, for example, sometimes with clients, we'll do like Simon says, or like a virtual scavenger hunt. And it's kind of silly, you know, I typically work with adults, so they kind of get a kick out of it. Yeah. And it's kind of like, we have this minute to pause and reflect and they're like, oh, that's movement. Like we just moved our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't have to be this going to the gym. And you know, I just want to preface some people love the gym and that's Mm -hmm. incredible. And so I'm not trying to like poop on that or anything by any means. No, 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 of course. You know, how can we kind of step away from this traditional form of what we think of when we think of movement and say, how can we make it fun? How can we even redefine what it is and then redefine what it looks like in our life so that we can appreciate it more and really be present for all of those different moments? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's such uh, an important portion of like the health at every size framework of like finding movement that you enjoy that isn't uh, too rigid and like reassessing why you do the things that you do. So you may be someone who is like working out and has like a routine or whatever, but you may hate it. And you may be only doing it because you think that it's going to grow your butt or shrink your waist or make you lose weight. And like, those are not good enough reasons to do a workout. Um, It should be because it makes you feel good. It makes you feel strong. um, And you enjoy doing it. So if you're like forcing yourself to do something that you hate, I would argue that that is something that maybe you should reevaluate and maybe find something else. Because I know for me, a lot of clients that in the past that, that have had a disordered relationship with movement, they really like, I really hate running. And I was just doing it because I was like tracking my calories on my Fitbit or my Apple watch or whatever. And a lot of people got Pelotons during lockdown because everyone else was doing it. And they're like, I really hate the bike. Like, I don't know why I'm even doing this. And I'm like, so don't do it. Like, they're like, really? I was like, yeah, just don't do it. Like find something else. And walking is a great place to start. If you're someone who needs to like figure out some sort of movement that, that you enjoy, or you're kind of like, you know, like I hate doing what I'm doing now, whatever it may be just walking is the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You go. <laughs> no, I was just, I think it's like great to point out that we're all going to have different things we like and we dislike, mm-hmm. but the more that we're turning to these like external sources, like the internet or mm-hmm. who we follow on social media, trying to figure out what they're doing and then saying, Oh, if they're doing it, then I should implement it as well that's not how we're going to figure out what we enjoy, you know, and just start trying different things, like whatever it may be, either going for the walk or, you know, if there is a class that you're like, that kind of looks fun, you know, buy one of the classes to go try, but then be really honest with yourself. Don't come out of it and say, well, so-and-so liked it. So I should like it too, you know, really get honest with yourself and say, how did I feel during that? Was it a good experience? Did it feel inclusive? Is this something 
I would want to take, you know, if you have children, like, is this something I would want them to experience? I think the more that we can just ask ourselves these questions and like brutally be honest with ourselves, that's how we get to this place of why am I working out? Why am I moving my body? What does it mean to me? What do I hope to experience from it? Yeah, those are all great points. And especially um, the point of inclusivity, which I find in most gym settings or class settings aren't, isn't really the case. And if you are someone who is in a larger size body, sometimes you may feel like targeted in a class in the sense that like the instructor may go out of their way to like make comments that they think would be helpful, but like aren't helpful. And, you know, it just made me think totally unrelated. Someone that I follow um, on social media, she um, shared a text message. She did like, um, there's this like class called Pure Bar. Mm -hmm. It's like a bar class with like one pound weights and like stretchy band things and whatever. Um, and so she, she showed how the person at that facility near her texted her and said, uh, don't forget to come on in for your class and burn off all those extra calories you ate on Thanksgiving. And the girl wrote back and said, um, actually that's like very toxic of you to like say that that's really inappropriate. There are people that struggle with, you know, their relationship with food and movement and it's very harmful or whatever. And the person like came back and was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even mean it like that, but it's just so normal for people like to just accept like that, that is how it should be like, Oh, it was Thanksgiving. So you should work off those extra calories or it's the holiday season. So you need to you know, not pack on those pounds or whatever. And then of course the lovely new year's resolution time, (laughs) um, with people making all of these goals in terms of like their weight and like joining a gym and, you know, feeling pushed when you're in the gym to like take their free personal training session. And it's just, it's just so difficult to avoid these scenarios if you are trying new things and I just want people to be open to understanding that if you are in a situation in a class in a gym or whatever where you like don't feel good then you don't have to stay there and you don't have to go back mm-hmm. and I think like you said like sadly those messages are the norm and it's so frustrating I mean for so many reasons and I think we both could just go off on a tangent yeah. on that but like you said, with the holidays and the new year, it seems like that message is pushed even more than it already is throughout the year. And it's just so disheartening that vulnerable people see those messages and they really hold on to them and take them to heart and think, yeah. oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what others are doing. And so I think yeah. that's so important to watch who you're following, watch what you're subscribed to. Um, and again, just like you said, having those check-ins with yourself, if you don't feel good while you're there, you don't have to go back. I have to say many years ago, I tried a pure bar class. I normally hate classes. I prefer to work, by, work out by myself as little human interaction as possible. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I took, I was going to take a class with a friend and I tried pure bar and I have to say, like, I was the largest person there. Um, the area that this facility was in, was in like a very, like, 
kind of snooty area where it's like all the moms were like blonde and thin and like wearing their Lululemon and stuff like that. It's just like the kind of culture of the area that this class took place. And I remember, uh, you know, going into the class and then having the lady um, at the front, like say like, you know, um, I know this is like your first time here, um, you know, try to modify it as you can. Um, you know, you don't have to use the weights. And I, and I had been lifting for a few years already. So like a one pound weight for like an upper or two or three pound weight for an upper body exercise is kind of like nothing at that point, you know? And the fact that she kind of like made that judgment, like, I understand she thought that she was being helpful, but it actually was like, not very helpful. It was more like, you know, annoying. And I wasn't really a fan of the class anyway, because I really didn't feel like the burn that I normally would from like squatting or doing lunges or, you know, doing my usual workouts, but I had like wanted to try it, but it reminded me of how, you know, not inclusive these classes can be. And so, you know, thankfully, like I was in a good place mentally to not feel any type of way. But you know, I've been, you know, accosted by people in like the gym, like trainers and things like that. And like when I brought I actually went off on a rant on Instagram a few like, I think it was like before the pandemic hit. And it was like this one trainer that like kept kind of like trying to work with me. And when I went to like the front desk and I was like, uh, just where's the manager? I just want to let you know that, like, I understand you're telling your trainers to target people in larger size bodies because the person didn't ask anyone else near me if they were interested in training or what they were working out. So it wasn't like they made their way around the room. It was just like I was the biggest one there. And it's just something that like I just would normal notice normally without even like trying to notice it. You know what I mean? It's just something that I notice. Um, and I was just like, it's really like uncomfortable. And like the lady was not helpful. And I wasn't trying to get anyone in trouble because I know they like promote this type of behavior, but for someone else who's new, who is like maybe in a larger size body and, and has never worked out before, it feels like you're forced to like, yeah, sure. I'll try. Yeah. Do the body fat analysis. Like, you know, all these things like that. And, and it's, it's frustrating. And so, you know, I always try to encourage my clients to like stand up for themselves. And if they ever start to work with like a personal trainer after like healing their relationship with movement and things like that, I always speak to the trainer prior to their sessions to explain, like, we're not doing any weigh-ins, we're not doing any body fat analysis. This person is, you know, healing their relationship with food they just want to learn proper form and like get, you know, help, you know, improve their muscle mass and mobility and things like that. And like a lot of times some of the trainers think I'm like crazy. They're like, okay, lady, calm down. But I feel like the need to like, kind of like preface, like don't mention that stuff to them because it's not helpful. And that's also not your job, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's just like a little bit of my tangent there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the reality is most of these advertisements for gyms or smaller fitness boutiques or whatever it may be, their main message, they might not say this come out exactly, but they twist their words to say, change your body. That's what yep. they're saying to come there and do. And so I think it is important to 
empower clients to say, Hey, I'm not here for these types of things. Um, and that's not to say, you know, I am not anti-movement or anti-don't go to any of these things. If you enjoy them, that's great. But really be aware of your surroundings while you're there. Be aware of these messages because sometimes if we're continuing to hear these same things over and over again, they kind of latch on without us even realizing it. And so yeah. I think it is really important before we put ourselves back into kind of a vulnerable situation to make sure we've done work on ourselves at home and outside of these environments to say, Hey, okay, if I do enjoy this, that's awesome. And I feel like I'm in a better place now where I can go and I can really tune out these messages. Doesn't mean I won't hear them. Doesn't mean that they will absolutely never trigger me at all, mm-hmm. but I'm powerful enough to say, I know what I'm here for. I'm going to stand strong in that. I do feel empowered to speak up for myself. And so I think it is, it is a necessary conversation, sadly. Yeah. And I mean, I will say like with the growth of intuitive eating and the like, kind of like social media space and like, even on TikTok, there are a lot of like trainers and yoga instructors that are in different sized bodies, which I think is very helpful. And I think that it's helpful for like listeners, people who are listening to like, try to follow more diverse body types and things like that, to see that, that, that health or like, you know, being fit, isn't just one look mm-hmm. like you could be fit in different sized bodies and, mm-hmm. I guess the more you expose yourself to that, the more it becomes normal in your, I guess, like mind, it kind of recalibrates like how your mind works and things like that. And I think it's very helpful, especially in recovery, or if you're someone who is trying to improve their relationship with their body and with movement and things like that, to know that even if you are in a thin sized body or or a smaller sized body that you should be diversifying your feed and getting different perspectives and things like that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think it's just like with the same messaging with diets, you know, the more you have those negative exposures, the more you hold on to them. And so the more that we can kind of shift, what is it that I'm exposed to every single day? What are the messages that I'm seeing? What are the bodies that I'm seeing? What do these humans look like that I am, you know, virtually connecting with? And then we kind of can say, okay, how can I show up in a different way at this point? And so, yeah, I think that's so important to say, who can I follow? Who can I unfollow? Who can I mute? (laughs) Because that's a big part of the journey. You have to do those hard things to get to a new place. Yeah, for sure. And you know what this kind of brings up um, something from, I don't know if you're an Adele fan. I'm a huge Adele fan. And so, you know, she has gone through weight fluctuations throughout her career. And at this point, she has lost a lot of weight and like everyone has made such a big deal about it. And she did this like like uh, interview with Oprah. And it was so interesting, the reaction of Oprah, because Oprah was asking her, like, what do you what did you do? And she was probably waiting for her to say, like, oh, I'm on like a twelve hundred calorie diet or I'm doing Weight Watchers or Noom or some other nonsense or whatever. And Adele was like, I started to I hired a trainer and I started to work out because I was suffering from anxiety and I needed 
something positive to focus on every day. And I started weightlifting and Oprah was like, really? Wow. She goes, yeah, like, actually I'm really strong. Like at my peak strength, I was like deadlifting like 180 pounds or something like that. And Oprah was like, what? And she goes, yeah, she goes, you know what? I actually have to eat a lot to like maintain my workout, to be able to have the energy and things like that. And it was like, Oprah's mind was completely blown. And like, yeah, like Adele's body has changed. Maybe she changed her food choices. I don't know. But she basically said like, she goes, listen, like I may stay at this weight. I may lose more weight. I may gain more weight, like whatever weight I'm at, like I'm happy and I love myself. And she didn't mention anything about, you know, feeling better in her body at a smaller size or anything like that. And it was just like the way that she responded and talked about how she had to eat more food than she realized to maintain her lifting. And Oprah like almost had a heart attack because she was like, you know, cause Oprah used to like deal with weight watchers and she has struggled like with her weight and has fluctuated as well. And I was like, yes, like that's what Adele's body wanted to do. She just started to move. Maybe she was, you know, struggling with her relationship with food because of her, you know, mental health or whatever during the pandemic and stuff like that. And it may so happen that she did lose weight, but she also gained so much strength and a love for, for lifting, which is fine and great. And I'm completely a fan of, but the fact that she was like, I may gain weight, I may lose weight, but it doesn't really matter. As long as I can like maintain my strength, that's what makes me happy. And I thought it was so powerful because the whole world is like obsessed with her losing weight and how they're showing her in her larger size body next to her smaller size body and like the Adele glow up and stuff. And obviously I get so annoyed about that, but it was just the way that she responded and how great it was that I really respected that. And I feel like that's like the kind of attitude everyone should have in terms of like their bodies and movement and things like that. Yeah. I, I full transparency do not hardly pay any attention to like tabloids or like, I'm like on my own bubble over here, but (laughs) I, I have definitely heard, you know, some of the comments and I think that I hadn't heard about that exact conversation. I just think that's such an eloquent response and knowing it's someone with such, um, influence, I hope that people can see that and say, oh, wow, like this is, you know, my, your body knows what to do when you're actually taking care of it. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, being the dietitians that we are, I love the point she brought up about, you know, is especially if you're someone who's also healing your relationship with food while you're healing your relationship with movement to recognize, Hey, if I start incorporating movement again, or whatever it may be, my fuel needs are probably going to increase as well. Like I have to continue to take care of myself. It can't Mm -hmm. be like it's trade-off or this compensation piece. So I really love that she threw in there, you know, I have to eat more to take care of myself if I'm going to this heavy lifting because I do enjoy it. And also I want to take care of myself. And of course, I think it's amazing too, that she said, I might gain more or lose some. It's like, we don't know. Nobody knows what your body is going to do whenever you're properly taking care of it. And that's, I think such a hard concept for people to grasp, especially those who are struggling with their relationship with food and their body. Um, a lot of that is, you know, kind of also that type A personality of, we want specific answers for everything. And it's like, I can't tell you that because 
at whatever you're at right now, something has been manipulated, whether it's food or doing too much movement. If that is something that you're struggling with, like something is being manipulated that your body's not agreeing with. So I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen with your body. So I mean, go Adele. (laughs) I think that's great. I'm going to send you the clip. I'll send you the clip so you could watch it. Cause I was just like, I mean, I was obsessed with her obviously, but like when she said that, it made me, cause I was like nervous. I was like, Oh no, what is she going to say? Is she going to say some nonsense? And she like had the perfect answer. And she goes, yeah, like I eat Chinese food and I, eat, I had McDonald's the other day and like being flexible and fueling your body is like fine. And sometimes it may be takeout or fast food or whatever. It's not like the end of the world. And so, you know, I think it's just great to see someone, like you said, like with her platform, especially when there's so much like diet culture being pushed from mostly all other celebrities that have such huge influence that get hundreds of millions of views. Um, you know, it means that those of us little people (laughs) have to work so much harder to like spread this message. So I thought that this topic of like joyful movement and then redefining what it may be, um, is important, especially as we enter the, um, toxic new year's resolution time period. Mm -hmm. Yes. Please do send me the clip and yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it is really important just again, like continuing to say, how can I question all of these things that I've been told for so long? What is it that I actually enjoy doing? And yeah, I mean, obviously I agree with what you said. It's like all of these messages come out and we feel like we have to work 10 times harder to kind of push back against them. Um, But I think that hopefully I think more and more people are kind of coming to this place of why, why do I move my body? And I think the more you can answer that, honestly, going back to the Adele thing, I love that she was able to say it's helpful for my mental health. You know, I think that's kind of where I'm at with it now, you know, being, we all have stress and we all have anxiety. Mm -hmm. So turning to it for that. And just to say, I just want to get some fresh air today. I want to step away from the computer screen. I do want to feel strong. Um, I think the more that you can really hone in on what it is specific to you that feels good and just really redefining what that relationship can look like. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap it up for this episode? No, just thank you so much for having me back. And I really appreciate it. And I, hope your listeners can, can go make their own movement timelines now. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Of course, I'm going to link Leslie's info down below, give her a follow and everything along those lines. And Leslie, thank you again for coming on and we hope to see you soon. Thank you so much for having me. See you guys tomorrow.